Hey, I'm Dina. I'm Nikki. And we're your hosts for CBD Magcast. CBD Magcast is devoted to the legalization of cannabis and its impact in your community. Cannabis Concierge, the expert and discreet service of cannabis procurement for the individual or retailer. These buds are for you. CBD Magcast Civics brings you business bragging, all about commerce in the cannabis industry. How's it going today? Excellent. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. We're here with Eric of Kush 21, and I'm just going to say, hey, how are you? Welcome. Tell us who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Uh, my name is Eric Latta. I'm the buyer and inventory manager for Kush 21. We're a pretty small company, but we've got three locations. Burien was our first one that's been open a little over two years. Vashon Island just opened about three months ago, and Pullman will be opened uh, later this month by the end of July. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm really excited. It has got to be something to be trying to open stores and run one of the busiest stores. You're right by the airport. What is your traffic like? I actually have been really enjoying our location here near the airport. We get a lot of traffic from out of state and out of the country. We get a lot of first timers who, you know, come from having a very negative view of cannabis and it's really cool to be able to change their minds and give them a taste of Washington State. I also noticed that you've got quite the family going on here. How did you find your way to Kush 21 and have you been here since the beginning? I have not quite been here since the beginning. I came here probably six months after they opened. I had a good friend who was working here at the time and then I had a few people I was just working with in the industry recommend me to the store. I was just hearing a lot about it and came in and applied and just ended up working my way up from the bottom. And what did you come from doing? Were you in the cannabis in some other way or were you in a different industry altogether? I started off dabbling back in medical and I worked at the apothecary. I guess before that was called the Eden Medical Center. Once medical went away, I did some other stuff and then I got into recreational and used to work at another store in Renton there for about a year before I switched over here. Oh, interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very interesting. It took you about a year to move over to Cush 21. Was there anything in particular that spurred you maybe to somewhere in Burien? The store I was working at in Renton was very close to my house. I was there for a while and it just wasn't a good environment for me and it felt like I had learned all I could learn there and just wanted to continue to move up in the industry. So I was uh, actually at the time kind of shooting more for a general manager position. But since at the time the position was filled, I thought I could pick up the inventory manager buyer position and I've really enjoyed it since then. So you didn't necessarily need to be going elsewhere because this is so captivating. And I have to say, I can attest to that being on the side of selling it as a bud tender and then also being on the side of trying to sell it as a producer processor. Just in a general day, what is the level of involvement that you have just to get this product on the shelf and and deal with it? It just is insane. And how many suppliers do you guys offer in your store, roughly? That is a good question. I think it's a lot more than the average person really thinks. I think a lot of people don't realize quite how much work goes into getting that weed on the floor into that bag with that customer. I'm here at least 10 hours a day, pretty much every, you know five days a week, helping receive product, you know, entering, entering it into the system, making sure it's all counted. The state is very strict with us on making sure all of the paperwork and all of the labeling is all accounted for. People smoke a lot of weed. I think we probably move $9 million worth of inventory a year. So for our team to make sure that that stays rolling is a lot of work. And that's one of the things I absolutely love. I've been a shopper of Kush 21 for a long time. One of my favorite locations to go into, I've kind of uh, adopted you guys as one of my favorite stores as well. And I've noticed that everybody's been here almost since that day. And I would love to find out 
how everybody found their way to, why they're still here, and what makes that family quality unit happen with such a diverse crew that fits together so well. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of turnover in the industry, and so very important that you invest in your employees and that you find the right employees. A lot of our staff is just very team-driven. When it's your time to get off, if, if there's a line out the door and you're sitting there looking at your friends that have to deal with that, most of us would rather just stay and help each other out. And it's more than just a job because uh, it's a brand new industry and we're all kind of trying to pave our way. So we all have to kind of work together and make sure we get it done. That's so cute. I love that. That's so great. And I've always been that um, uh, family-oriented individual. Anything that we do as entrepreneurs takes that whole team to come together. And I noticed that with your staff, everybody does have more of a specific set of roles. You've got somebody who really is your, okay, we're going to bring this in person while you're the person who makes sure it gets out, etc. If somebody wants to come to Cush 21 and showcase their product with you, what would you like them to do? And what's the actual legitimate opportunity for, let's say, a new flower to come into your store because we know there's a lot of flour out there. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of flour out there. There's a lot, the, the way Washington State has set everything up is a little bit funny. So there's a lot of options out there for the customers. And so for us, we want to make sure that we have a very wide variety of product for the customers. But at the same time, we just don't have enough room to carry everybody. So I'd say the best way, you know, everybody, usually these vendors will give us a call and make sure it's not a line out the door. And they'll just come in and basically spend a few minutes with me showing them, showing us their product and going over pricing and volume and what their company stands for and what sets them apart. Ultimately, that's what really matters is because, you know, there's with 1,400 producer processors, you got to really be able to stand apart from the, from the crowd. And what is Kush 21's interest in flour that stands apart? What do you guys look for as a whole and as a team? And how do you get that information back through your team to you? So that, and what kind of time frame does that look like? I can imagine if you have 1,400 people, how many do you have already in your store? That's a lot of people coming at you. Yeah, I mean, I think at the moment we probably have a relationship with over 100 producer processors right now that we carry pretty actively on our shelves. It's definitely a dance to maintain everyone's shelf space and at the same time a lot of, a lot of volume because these, you know, these customers smoke a lot of weed. So want to make sure that when a customer likes something, they can come back and get it again if they want. And if it's not available, I want to make sure that they don't leave without something they like. For sure. And then one of the things that I think I've been noticing a little bit lately is the idea that maybe uh, buyers also are wary of who may survive and not survive. So I think there's an inherent, I don't know, subconscious aspect of making sure they're around for three to six months before you're going to bring them in on the shelf. Is that really an overt thought or is that just something you you sort of ride with in the time uh, it takes to actually just live life anyway and get work done as it is sort of sets that for, for you? Is that conscious or? Yes, yes and no. I'd say it's kind of a difficult thing to predict without uh, really knowing your company um, because I've even seen companies that have been around for a really long time disappear overnight. That being said, yes, we are, we are constantly trying to make sure that the people that we're partners with are partners and not, you know, we don't want them to be selling anything to us that where they're losing money or going out of business. It's a partnership. We want them to be doing just as well as we are. And that is what keeps everybody going. And I know I've talked to a few people that might have a customer or two that they will just never let go because they're the only people they grow for. But it seems to be a relationship that works, even though it's small, to give whoever needs to the foothold to get a little bit bigger. But it also is hard to break in and have somebody take a chance on you when you're trying to, because again, there's so much competition. Definitely so much competition. Interesting, you were saying earlier, you get a lot of folks 
coming in to Canvas for the very first time, coming off of a plane from some anywhere, right? Being right next to the airport. What's it like seeing somebody from out of state or out of the country come into your store as the first cannabis shop they've ever been into? I think it's awesome. Generally speaking, most of the people who come in are all pretty open-minded. You know, they came in the, came to the place in the first place. I would say a very large percentage of the people who come from out of state are first-time recreational purchasers. They're, they all make jokes about how they should be buying in an alleyway or buying from some guy out of a truck. Right. Um, Everyone thinks it's the first time we've heard it, but everybody comes in with the exact same joke about how happy they are to be just in a store. A lot of them are people who use it medicinally also. A lot of -of out-of-state people who are really taking the risk to be under the influence of cannabis on a regular basis are needing it. And so when they come in, they're just relieved to be able to get whatever they need at a price that's somewhat reasonable. A lot of of states in the United States are still very expensive for black market cannabis. Totally. And... What's your vision for the cannabis industry as a whole, kind of as we move forward in Washington and then hopefully further as a nation? I mean, I've got a lot of really big aspirations for the cannabis industry. I hear people say that it's going to be a combination of tobacco, pharmaceuticals, and, and food service, you know, all put together. And that, you know, that excites me. I think it's a really cool opportunity for a lot of people, creating a lot of jobs. We have to be very careful because this whole race to the bottom, not even just in Washington, but in some other states, I've seen horrendously low prices for flour and if with prices that low none of these farmers can really sustain growing for the medical patients and for the, even the recreational patients we would reach a point where pretty much everybody would have to grow it themselves and uh, I don't know if everyone knows how much work that is it is so much work it's like a child that you can't get a babysitter for <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's true I do wonder if allowing everybody to grow for themselves at the very least it puts the weight of the demand less on the recreational store which could be great could be not so great for the economy because something that the cannabis community is definitely doing is changing the economic landscape Mm -hmm. of the states that have legalized cannabis so what do you see do you see that kind of in your community here yeah and actually you know i definitely support home grow i think that's a big thing that Washington needs to look at in the future, especially for medical patients or the people who do have the tools at their disposal to grow and, and don't want to have to pay a full retail price. They should be able to. I want these farmers who are doing really good things for my, my patients and my customers to be able to do well and to continue to grow their farm and, and be able to feed their families as well, too. Yeah, That's my big thing, too, with you as the farmer, 100%. It is all about that person who grows the plant because if they don't grow the plant we're not talking about it you're not selling it nobody's able to buy it and then like you say it's in an alley and you don't know what you're getting and you have medical patients that get to be regulated to a degree in this industry with benefits that's great and a lot of the education comes from these guys too if we reach a point where there's no money in it and everyone's just growing it themselves then the the education won't really be there as much in my opinion part of these guys selling their product and, and getting it out to the customers is educating them on good sustainable grows and not wasting things like resources and water and nutrients and how to reuse your soil and how to keep your mom's your mother strong for a long time and all this all this stuff that really comes from competition it's one thing that's really done well for the united states overall is we're all competing to be better if it completely goes the other direction then i think it would be a, a disappointment for those of us who want to continue to learn things about the plant 
You're not wrong about that. There's bubbles create interest, they create money, they create economy, and then they create scale, and then they create a foundation even when it bursts, which elevates. And I think you're right about this. One of the things that Nikki does well with our Call It Cannabis section, and she'll continue to get to do as we grow, is really have that conversation about, at that level, the this versus that in the world of cannabis. I think it's just... It's really neat to see how many people we interview really fall in love with the idea of this industry, the value of it, and where it can go. And again, Nikki and I talk a lot about the platform. We have this jump off space where we all have this different life we lead, whether we end up uh, being born and dying, beginning and end, everything in the middle gets to be our own journey. And it's fun to see how there can be that similarity and that thread of consciousness, desire, joy, and love. But then everybody's desire, joy, and love and how that gets there is so different. So I think that's really cool when we get a chance to chat with folks like you and interview and find why you're passionate and why you're in this. And I should think that would be a lot about the team that you have too, that they all have similar interests that are that intense. Yeah. For myself also, I come from the service industry and... When I was serving food, you know, you're never, you're not really doing anything for anybody. The really cool thing is here, my average customers, almost always over 50, and I get to help a lot of elderly people with their medicine and get to just change their lives and change their opinion. I can't tell you how many people have come in and said they've gotten off of opiates and stuff just based on my recommendations alone, which is really cool. That is, you're changing somebody's life. Yeah, it's great. The cannabis industry, the people in it. Was it difficult for you all here at Kush 21 to find that group of people that is as dedicated as they are? Absolutely. It's been a long road that we're still that we're still traveling on. You know, as we're a growing company, we still need to make sure we work hard to find those team members who are going to stick with us and really be family first. Obviously, their family, but the work family also. And do you buy for all three locations now? Uh, yep. I source product for all three locations you know somebody comes to me here in Burien and it's a company that I think will do well at all three stores I'll talk to the general managers at the other stores and each store has their own fluctuation of popularity among strains and all that stuff so you know I'll talk to the general managers and see if it's a good fit and get it all in all three stores so do you find that you have a lot of overlapping product between stores yeah I would say we have a lot of overlapping companies I would say that the products within those companies at each store sells differently oh very cool. Yeah. yeah. That must be interesting and cool to track. It is a challenge. Vashon Island, for instance, they used to be called Weed Island back in the day. So it's not a joke. Everybody out there kind of has their own weed. So we've noticed our flower sales out there compared to concentrates and edibles are quite a bit different than Burian. Super cool. That is fun to track. I, that kind of information is super interesting. Yeah, that is another cool thing about the recreational market is that a lot of the technology that some of the black market stuff wasn't able to achieve has really come full circle. Things like vape cartridges and some of the really nice edibles and just really, really nice concentrates, isolates and stuff like that were really hard to obtain in black market. So people are pretty excited about that, even in places where the black market flower game is still pretty strong. Honestly, one of the big things that we should consider is a more standardized testing for cannabis also. That's a real tough part with the bud tenders and the customers is you get a customer who comes in and says, I've been smoking for 40 years. I need something that's over 30% to try to educate that person on the fact that cannabis doesn't usually get in the 30s <laughs> and of percentage. And it, sh- yeah, and it generally shouldn't. Just the whole uh, teaching them about the entourage effect and all that stuff, it's very difficult. A lot of times at the end of what you think is a very successful conversation, they kind of look you in the eye and say, oh, okay, but I'll have that one that's 30%. Yep, 
Yep. Or they want the outdoor at a phenomenal price that's the highest THC. And you're like, dude, you're looking at 16 to 19. I'm not sure what to tell you. One of our most popular companies in our top shelf is the SubX. And a lot of their numbers are below 18, you know, some 14, some 13. And so those are some of our biggest sellers and honestly, some of my favorites too. Yep. And I'll find something with the CBD in it and it'll pull that THC percentage down. But you're right about that entourage. It is just on point. And if that particular strain is your strain, you also don't have to worry about numbers. Or if you get that style of flower that's your style of flower you're consistent with, you also don't have to worry about numbers. Yeah. Another thing that I tell my customers, but it's a hard thing to fully quantify is cannabis. It's kind of like people and their diets. You know, some people are gluten intolerant. They just can't handle certain foods. I think people are just the same who say, oh, absolutely can't smoke sativa. It's probably a terpene that their body just doesn't agree with. And there is a little bit more education behind this kind of train of thought, I suppose. I think it'd be really cool to learn how that is with people's body chemistry. Absolutely. And your taste buds for terpenes, your body chemistry for the ingestion, and then how it works just as it floods through. I think you're absolutely right. And it also is, interestingly enough, a portion of the gluten family because it's off the hops and the hops is a connection. So there also could that be that very same thing happening in your system in an intolerant fashion like being celiac. So it's very interesting. We won't know till studies are done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cool, I've been seeing a lot of really cool isolates and stuff coming out of Colorado, but recently in Washington, I've been seeing CBN and I saw a couple companies recently that are coming out with THCV concentrates and that kind of stuff's super exciting. Definitely. We met out at Mad Mark's party. It was fantastically fun. Yeah. And you got a chance to meet with Flavor Dave Oil Tycoon. Now, when you go out to an event like that and you get to try their product, do you utilize that as a work opportunity to say, hey, we want to bring that in too? Uh, so any event you go to and you get a chance to participate with a producer that you haven't met before is something that gives them the potential to to make it onto your shelves and be sold? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm, Breezy, it's not your business. <laughs> Breezy's in the interview with us. Yes, absolutely. I would say getting a chance to spend some time with the vendors where it's not a high-stress environment in the store with all the customers around is always really nice and getting an idea of who they are as a person, not just a company. It gives you an idea of how it's going to be working with that company moving forward. Super fun. Yeah, the cannabis industry has opened this world of opportunities and jobs that a lot of us I don't think ever thought would exist. So how do you feel about the sample processes as far as getting new vendors in and being able to try different people, that kind of thing? I think it's good, but it needs to be revised. I know Washington State has gone through a few different changes regarding samples. I think the difference between educational and vendor are pretty silly. Educationals are kind of a pain in the ass for most stores. I think they could find middle ground between where it used to be and where it is. I think back when it first was recreational, I think they could give an ounce as a sample. You know, I don't need a full ounce, but more than a gram or more than a quarter gram, I think some of the sample laws are pretty restrictive, but I I think that they definitely help with getting to try the product ahead of time and kind of know what you're expecting. Yeah. Buying the product sight unseen is the hardest part about the industry. Definitely. It's not like there's not enough cannabis to go around. You know, I mean, unfortunately with some of these smaller farms, but even so, I don't know any farm right now that only produces enough cannabis to go to the stores. They have to have enough to get in the stores as well. That is so much money. And when I was with the last producer processor, that's where they ultimately just lost because they didn't have a clue that it was going to be a year of giving away forty or $50,000 worth of flour to get into a store to start making sales. Everybody jumps in and says, oh, we're going to make a million dollars. Some of our customers' favorite producer processors are some really small companies. So 
we like to make sure that we can have enough product on the shelf to make sure that those customers are happy but at the same time sometimes the product is just so good we're not gonna we're not gonna turn it down if it's a small lot exactly yeah. and some of the best stuff is small lot low yield so we like to just make sure we can we've got premium cannabis in the name so we want to always make sure we've got premium stuff for people to try absolutely and again it just lets these little guys who are just trying it out get to do something and i find that so exciting that they would have a place for them even if it isn't sitting on the front of the shelf because maybe they don't have all the fancy packaging in the bags they can just put a bare label something that they can afford and they, they do really good quality product yeah that's cool honestly yeah, sometimes yeah. talking talking to some of the big producer processors in the state who all kind of know each other sometimes when they ask us who our biggest sellers are they've never heard of them which yeah. is kind of funny yep i like that part a lot too and that's one of my favorite things about going in different shops is not seeing just the exact same five brands definitely the variety that we have in washington is well it makes your job as a buyer probably a little extra complicated but as i've said before about a lot of things in this industry they're good problems to have yeah, I always say first world problems, but <laughs> yeah, the fact that we have cannabis at all, you know, is go to that as somebody who moved here from the southeast region of the United States. Yeah, you always got to think of what other people had to go through to get us here. Yeah, yep, for yep. sure. Yep. yep, have a lot of respect for that. So cool. So, last question: Why don't you tell us your favorite cannabis story? Oh boy, I had one customer for a long time actually at this store who. I haven't seen her in a long time, which I'm really hoping she's okay, but she came in here almost every week. Blind customer would just come in with her dog and come in and probably talk to me for half an hour at a time. And she she just come in and she had a different story pretty much every day about uh, a different prescription medication that she had replaced some part in her life with cannabis. It's really cool to see how some people improve getting off of some of these things. Even people like very close to me I've seen drop one small thing that their doctor swears will make their life change place it with cannabis and all of a sudden you know they've got more energy they've got more livelihood all around yeah this lady she said that she completely got rid of every she had like a bunch of melanomas like the, the skin the skin cancer and then she would just put a little band-aid with the rso and then they would be gone like overnight and she used to come in all the time and show me a little pink spot where it used to be wow yeah and so i would go online and find videos of cannabis killing and like metastasizing cancer cells but you don't really think of what it's going to do on physical right in front of you but she would come in and, and take the little band-aid off and the little brown spot would be completely gone it was pretty crazy wow wow that's cool yeah very cool very cool something that we touched on earlier but the cannabis education and education about each person's bioavailability to the cannabinoids and what they can take in i mean that that scale is so vast and it's stories like hers that really give think a lot of people comfort going into cannabis at all it's a huge a huge comfort and encouragement if you yeah. have all these ailments and you don't feel like anything's making you better you might as well try something that you have the same dna structure as and you might as well try something that's one to two degrees away from the way that nature created it as are we so see if it works for you and if you need the others as well nobody's saying don't do them but don't also assume that's your only road because there's so much that we've heard from you and other folks like you about how good cannabis can be in their lives. And if you do have anybody who wants to share that story, they can send it to cannabisbeyonddope at gmail.com and we would love to interview them. It'd be great. Well, thank Absolutely. you so much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Awesome. We liked it. It was fun. Yeah, super good. Thank you. And it was nice to see you at Mad Mark's party too. It was pretty cool. <laughs>
Magcast and Cannabis Concierge are a division of Confidential Monkey Enterprises. Visit us at www.cannabisbeyonddope.com.